titled my message this morning, When You Get Off the Straight Path. So how does that happen that you seem to be desirous of making this commitment to God to live pure for a week even? Somehow you get off the path. A day into it or two days into it, and you just say, I don't care if the pastor asks this week. I just can't do it. I need a break. I need to do my own thinking. I need to, I need to go do this or whatever your addictive behavior is. With every single person, it's different things. This is very important, this message today, because it's actually the next spot where the scripture talks about the Apostle Paul. So last week we were together and we talked about Acts chapter 12 where Peter was in prison and the church gathered together and they were praying for Peter to be somehow miraculously delivered from prison. And he was. And an angel appeared to him and said, put on your clothes and get up and walk out past this guard and past the next guard. I will take the chains off you. I will break the chains off of you and I will open the doors and I will make the prisoner, the prison guard sleep. That, that's beyond comprehension even to imagine that God could literally speak to him and then break off the chains and then put the guards to sleep because there were 16 of them, the scripture says, and then he could open the gates, not just one gate, but another gate. And then as he walks down the street that is called straight, by the way, the straight path, narrow is the path and straight is the path that leads to righteousness. It's not an easy path. It's not a crooked path. It's a straight path. He went down that street and the angel disappeared. And in fear even, he went to the place where the prison, where the, where the church was praying together. And they were so busy doing their religious thing and having their service and doing the praise and worship up here and singing and all this other stuff probably and praying that they sent the servant girl to the door, Rhoda. And when she went to the gate, it was Peter. She was like, oh my gosh, they're praying for this. And you're standing here and she didn't even open the gate and she ran back and they said, you're crazy, you're loony. Have you ever had people think you're crazy because you tell them this had to be God? I'm telling you that whenever God is on the move, supernaturally, the enemy is working 10 times as hard as normal. And so what you get in the scripture, oh God, his word is so ridiculously powerful. It is hard to tell you. You know the reason why you're bound to your addictive behavior? Because this is what's happened this week. You went back to your alcohol. You went back to your cigarettes. You went back to your lust. You went back to your greed. You went back to the same patterns of video games. You went back to Pokemon follow, leading you down the street. And, and you're captivated by all that garbage. And in the middle of that... God is trying to talk, and you're not even listening. Everything that happens in life is to make you bitter or better. Bitter or better. Ray, didn't you feel like crying? He, he texted me and said, I cannot even believe that I've gotten to be a part of such a miracle as what's happened with this building. I will guarantee you, you think the enemy is not going to try to stop that from happening? You don't understand the way the enemy operates. He has no control in this room right now because we prayed him right out of here. Yes, you might get up and sing Break Every Chain, but the enemy had you in chains this week, did he not? Erica, where are you? Did he try to put you in chains this week? She didn't know I was going to pick that song. But when we were practicing this morning, that was the best song yet because the God knew this. I work through people who were experiencing the chastening power of God. You understand that? My wife and I are on the way to church this morning, and, and we always pray all the way here, and, and she says to me, I just think God is in the business of using disqualified people. Yes, he is. He doesn't look for the qualified. He doesn't look for the Sanhedrin. He doesn't look for the big shots in this city. He says, we can't talk to you. You've been disqualified. You should go to hell. That's not how he works. He looks for disqualified because they need him. You didn't keep your promise to be pure this week. You need God. 
You can't do it on your own. You need the supernatural healing power of God to break the chains. And all of a sudden, the power of God will break those chains that have got you tied down to feeling like you're ready to give up. Don't give in. Don't give in. Give up the trash. Don't give up Jesus. People stay home on Sunday. Well, Sunday is, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't feel like going. He'll make you not feel like going to church. I was getting ready to leave this morning, and I looked down in my closet. And I don't need that muffler. It's down there somewhere. You think so? I think it's dangerously gone. Okay. All right, so anyway, this, this book... We have such servants. <laughs> I feel like that's how my stocking hat ends up, you know? Gosh. You think the devil's not trying to work already? So I pick up this book. Okay, you can't see it from there. This is Dirk, Josh Norton, Kelsey, Zach Curtis, Brian Allens, Brian Zemba, Eric Combs, Jenny Doom, Asia boy, has no last name, his last name is boy. <laughs> Asia boy. I don't even remember his last name. I, just kidding. <laughs> Julie Sanis, and I'm trying not to use my middle finger for a bad reason. Um, Big John, Casey, Eric Apel, and Mitch DeHaan. There are 14 interns in this book. They gave this to me as a gift after a year of internship at Wellspring Church. This is only about four years ago. Nine of them have gotten off the path completely. Nine. In prison. He's in prison on a completely different path. Girlfriend, remember? Girlfriend, Eric McCombs? Not girlfriend anymore. Didn't marry her. He left the church because we told him, maybe you're rushing into this. Married a girl that had had children with two different men. Put his new body online in his underwear for everybody to see. Involved, I don't know if he's active now, but homosexual lifestyle and constant depression. Inside this, full, inside this book, is a card. We love the Petersons. And inside the card, there's all kinds of stuff written. There's a package with a string around it of a letter that each one of them wrote to me. Only five that I am aware of are actually really committed to what God called them to do and doing it. The rest have gotten off the path. You think for one second that the enemy is not going to take you off the path? That's what he's going to do. The enemy is going to come and make you so discouraged and feel so dark, so hurt, so crushed, so attacked, so unworthy, so far away from him, so defeated that you can't come back. That's a lie. It's a lie. Every one of these kids is still loved by God. They just got off the path. So when you get to Acts chapter 12 at the end of the chapter, because the whole chapter, chapter 13, is basically about getting back into focus. You have slipped away and gotten off the path, and you don't really want to talk to me about it. You don't want to talk to other people. You just think, it's too far. I'm too far gone. It's too late. I've done too many bad things, and God says, I don't remember any of them. Don't remember a single one of them. Your sin is as far as the east is from the west. God doesn't disqualify people. He qualifies them. He doesn't disqualify you. He qualifies you. He says, I love you, just come back. Huh? Please just come back. I really love you. You keep beating yourself up. Just come back. I love you. My arms are wide open. And so you get to the end of chapter 12. It says, on the 
appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on the throne and delivered a public address to the people. You remember this from last week? And they shouted, this is the voice of a God, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. People will come and go, but the word of God is forever. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word of God will go forever. The word of God will flourish in every nation that the enemy tries to knock it out of existence. The word of God always flourishes, and the grace of God is always there for anybody who will accept it. You're in the room today. The grace of God is available to you right this second. Right now, he says, get back on the straight path. I bet you if we told the stories of the people that are in this room today and you marched up here and you had to show and experience to us what's happened over the last week that's taken you away from God, we would find everybody had a story. But you know what? Even when, even when there's a mean king by the name of Herod, persecution never stops the church. It thrives in persecution. It doesn't die. Persecution makes the church thrive, not die. See, God is working at our church. There's no question. Last week when we came together, we had the lowest offerings that we've had in the entire summer. And God said to me when, when I drove away, it's okay. It'll all be there by the end of the week. And it was. We met budget. Because God works supernaturally. If you don't want to be used, you'll find somebody else. Yes, won't he? If you don't want to be used, you'll find somebody else. But he really wants you. He doesn't care if your teeth are knocked out, if you've lost every last hair except for one little one that's standing up in the middle of your head. If you feel like you're so defeated and so discouraged that God has totally abandoned you, he's never abandoned you. You've just not been open to receiving his grace that is available right this second. Yeah, it's coming flooding down, isn't it? Whew, God's grace is amazing. And so the scripture goes on to say, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, King Herod is dead now, they finished their mission. Where was their mission? Mm. Remember? Antioch. They returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. They finished their, their mission there. They went back and got John Mark to come with them, who, by the way, is Mark, who wrote the book of Mark. They picked him up and said, we need a, we need to have an intern. Yeah. We ought to pick out some, we ought to go pick up somebody that's an intern. You know what I've watched? I've watched Ed see his friends die because of bad choices. He got off that path, got on the straight path. He's with us every day. He took a minimal salary to work at Rock Church every single day because he knew what would save his life. Am I right? It saved his life. He's different. I saw Lucas, who has gone the wrong path totally, who doesn't even live in his own home, even though his mom is faithful to come into our church and his sister comes here, but he has lived with the Van Otters. I saw Lucas change because every day regardless of what the enemy says he has decided i am going to do this i am going to live on the straight path now lucas can speak into people's life and tell them i was on the crooked path it's not a good path isn't that right honey didn't we say that in the car we said to each other we believe that the people that have been on the crooked path are the best testimony to those who think they should go onto that crooked path. They're the best testimony. So God uses, and this is for my former church once again, you're wrong. God uses all those that you think are disqualified. Not out of arrogance. He does it to show that the foolish things of the world confound the wise, don't they? That Ed could actually be the guy that could point his own family to the straight path. And you get into the next chapter, and it's mind-boggling. It says, now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, and he lists them. Barnabas? Because you list them in the order of the people that you think. You know, it's like the wedding. I always, when I do wedding rehearsals, I always look at the people and say, we're going to line up now up here on the stage from the most popular to the least popular. 
the bridesmaid's the most popular, and then you think, well, I like her next, and then I like her. I don't like her because she's way prettier than me. I want to put her at the end. <laughs> it always feels horrible to be the last one down there out of 10 people trying to look around everybody else. And even though you're taller and they're midgets, and they're up there in the line, you know what I'm saying? Don't you feel like a midget sometimes? Like, that's me. Dave, are you in here today? Kenny, Neergar's friend? He's not here? I was texting him late at night last night. He just said, I want to change so badly. I want a different path. He didn't even know I was talking about paths today until I told him. But nobody seems to come after me. It seems like I just desperately need help. I don't have a driver's license. I've wrecked my life with alcohol and took the wrong path. And he's very intelligent. And he texts things grammatically correct and everything. I just send it, even though there are spelling errors. I don't have time for that. We went back and forth. And he says, I just want somebody to come after me. He can't even get to church. So it says in Antioch, they're back up in Antioch. This is Saul, Barnabas. And John Mark now, their intern. There were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and then Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart. I'm going to call somebody specifically to set apart. I'll take Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to do. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. You have Paul's first missionary journey about to begin. Whew, it's powerful. And it says in Acts chapter 13, verses 4 through 12, the two of them sent, or sent off their way by the, I think there's something wrong there, but went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, or a better word would be, of the governor of the entire Island of Cyprus, which was about 50 miles wide, maybe, and 140 or 50 miles long. Sergius Paulus was his name. So they met this guy by the name of Bar-Jesus, who works directly under the governor, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elamas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. And then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, you're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You'll never stop perverting the ways of the Lord. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him. And he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. I have a lot of things I want to say about that in a very short period of time, but I want to finish by saying this right now. It's, the finish would be this that when the proconsul, the governor of the island, saw what had happened and how Saul basically called on the power of God to blind the eyes of this sorcerer, the governor said, I need Jesus. Some people say, I was really disappointed when I was reading that John MacArthur actually says, that doesn't mean that he believed. I think it does. I do. I think it does. I, there's just a couple points I want to make here quickly. You only have to remember these. God will supernaturally draw you where he wants you to go. If you'll even bother to think, God, I need you right now. You've got to show me your will. If we would just pray, if we would just 
fervently pray like the church was praying for Peter and expect that what we are praying for is going to happen. It will happen. I believed this when Ray came into my office and said the owners are upset. I thought, it's okay. God's in charge. God has supernaturally opened every door for us on this building. He's not going to close it now. Will you believe that with me? Everybody that will believe that with me, say yes. yes. Because it's done. And we will look back and we will say, God divinely, supernaturally, by his power, did what seemed impossible to do because that's what God does. When God wants you to do something, he is going to open all the doors for you to do this. And when he doesn't want you to do this, he's going to close the doors. You need to know that. And so the scripture says they traveled through the entire island and God had a plan for them. He had a very specific plan that was much higher than what they thought he wanted. You know what it was? That the entire island would be affected by the governor coming to Christ in salvation. That's what he wanted. Oh, we should pray that our governor comes to Christ in salvation. We should pray that Hillary Clinton and, and Donald Trump come to salvation. I actually heard that Donald Trump recently accepted Christ. He needs him. But do you know that when you're on your mission, sometimes you don't realize that the enemy is there to trip you up? Oh, it's okay if we take three weeks vacation. It's not going to affect us. Yes, it is. If you're not reading the word and you're not praying, you become carnal. Yes, you do. You become carnal. You think, I'm okay. And then all of a sudden, God opens your eyes like this. There, there they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet who was named Bar-Jesus. Elamus. Bar-Jesus. That were, his actual name, Elemas, actually means sorcerer, magician, a person who is going to trick you into something. We don't need to trick you into salvation. We only need to give you the word of God and let you decide whether you want to accept it or not. God does not need to trip trick us or trip us or manipulate us what is happening in your life is the will of God it is even when you don't like it even when you think why would God allow that to happen in my life this has hurt me so much it is because God is the master of bringing us back from our little side trips off the straight path you get this nobody ever says amen over here are there alive people over here because I can't see you does he do it to trip us up? No, yes. No, yes. Which one is it? God's will would be for us to stay on the path. But we don't stay. Oh, I promise I'm going to be pure this week. What, five people out of the entire praise band group? Raise their hands that they remain pure. It's not as easy as you think. Because along the path, there's Pokemon. And there's all your other video games that you play, and there's beer. Beer. Beer never hurt anybody. Seriously, there's beer that you like so much. Or there's alcohol. Or those dirty thoughts. There's greed all along the path. There's a sorcerer. There's the enemy who has this in the back of his head. Keep them on the crooked path. The crooked path is the path they should follow. Keep them on the crooked path. And God says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own thinking because your own thinking can be carnal. In all your ways, acknowledge God. God, I need you right now. God, I need you right now to show me what to do because the owner is coming over here. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path and he will turn anger into tears he will supernaturally provide where there was no provision he will make the loaves and the fishes multiply he will supply every need I can't stand it when people in our church say to me I'm waiting to see how much money you bring in before I de determine whether I'm going to give anything or not shame on you the rest of your life you'll have a problem paying your bills 
Yeah? yeah. Pastor, you shouldn't say that. That's spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse? Did you read the text? Did you honestly read the text? Paul was not light when he came to the people. You know what he said to this sorcerer? He basically said, you're demonic, you're evil, you're a magician, you're, you're a liar, a deceiver. That's what he said. I'll guarantee you, see what you have from chapter 12 to chapter 13 in the book of Acts, you have a complete transition that's taking place. Peter was the focus of attention up until now, and now Paul is being called to go take the good news to all the Gentiles. To the Gentile church. Yes, he's being called of God on these missionary journeys to take the message out there to the Gentiles so it spreads like crazy. So God is on the move. We sing it. I don't know if we believe it. God is on the move. I wrote myself some notes this morning. It's a transition from Peter to Paul. From here on out, the churches that grow are predominantly Gentile churches. Why wasn't the Jewish church growing? You know the answer. Because they were stuck in the past. They were stuck on their rules and regulations and what church should look like. Uh-huh. I saw a lady who owns our building come over and said that this was an atrocity. She was talking about a black building for a church. And I'm here to tell you this. God is in the business of working other ways than what you think would be the normative. He is really good at working in other ways. So if you ever get in the habit, this, it's, like, it's like sleeping on a mattress. If you lay the same way on that mattress for year after year, you're in a hole. They say you should turn your mattress around every couple weeks. We can't even lift that sucker. We turned it around for a while, now there's a hole going each way. There's a hole this way and a hole that way. The only way it works is to lay sideways where our feet dangle off the edge. And then it's like the holes are in the wrong places. You're still in a rut. People, get out of the rut. Get out of the rut. You know what the rut is? Oh, God, I'm going to live holy this week and then going home tonight and thinking church is over. I can lust now. I can look at garbage now. Going home today and saying, I'm bored. I can play video games now. Going home today and saying, I tried that diet. It didn't work. Diets don't work. It has to be a lifestyle change. You agree or not? Yeah. See, God is really good. God is really good at changing things up to kind of throw us off completely. That's what he does. He changes things up so that you can't get by with thinking that he only works the same way all the time. And my second point was this, God will open the eyes of the blind, the blind eyes of others so that he can be glorified in the matter. In verse 7, it says, the proconsul, intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Isn't, isn't God good at surprising us? The governor wanted Paul and Barnabas to come because he wanted to hear the word of God. When somebody wants to hear the word of God, I can guarantee you Satan's going to break loose. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Is he or not? He's going he's gonna to break loose. And Elymas, the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, withstood them. When they were trying to share with the governor, Elymas came, the demon-possessed man. He was, a, he was an intelligent man who advised the governor of the island. He gave him as advice, and he said, I wouldn't let those rascals talk to you. They're going to paint the building black. Yes. Didn't you hear? Have you looked at the internet, Governor? Have you looked at the internet? You should see what's on the internet. And the governor says, I don't know. I need something supernatural. I need something supernatural. Do you have any idea how much you're being affected by the enemy? You know that? He's feeding you everyday lies. Otherwise... Why did he marry a woman that had already been with two other men with two other kids? Why is this girl in the middle, Kelsey, why is she still here? Did she not have sex before marriage? And why did she marry a man who is going into ministry? Hmm? If God isn't always concerned about the path that we're on.
And if it doesn't make a difference, what road you go down? Huh? Did you notice it's a crooked path that God warns us about? A crooked, deceptive, magical, lying Pokemon? I'm not trying to be funny. I think that thing is demonic. Kids are going down the street with that on their phone screen, not even watching where they're going. It leads to death. I guarantee you, video games lead to death. Sex outside of marriage leads to death. It leads to abortion. It leads to you physically and spiritually being bound by demons. Is my daughter here today? Danielle? And what's her friend's name? Sabrina. You know that I don't get up here and just preach this little fantasy, perfect little study time. This either works or it doesn't work. We were getting ready to go somewhere the other night, and I said to Josiah, tell mom I'm ready to go. Where is she? And he said, she's on the garage floor praying with Sabrina and Danielle. Well, that's not unusual at our house. We had several situations like that this, this week where we spent hours with people. These people don't understand this. The devil wants them on a crooked path, waving back and forth like the waves of the sea. And God says, you've got to get back on a straight path. You have avoided me. You're busy camping on the weekends. You're busy going to your little concerts. You're busy at your cottage. You're busy doing all your stuff. And you've left me out of it completely. And now you wonder why there's problems. Do you get this? She's on the garage floor and they're praying. And when I went out there, she's crying and Sabrina says she feels better, but it didn't take long for that to wear off. Don't you get it? If you have demons that are plaguing you, they're waiting outside the theater door right now to jump back on you. But all the pastors are too busy talking about how the Bible states this about this city and that city. Instead of thinking, man, Paul went right in there and said, what did he say about him? It was pretty intense. I'm seriously, it was not, it was something that I would do. Seriously. Look at, he, this is what he says. Can you put that text back from original that was up there originally? You are a child of the devil. That'll go over really big in church. Some woman comes up to me and says, Pastor, I'm just struggling with something you said. And I said, you are a child of the devil. She coming back next week? Only to cut my throat, Probably. You're a child of the devil. He says, an enemy of everything that is right. Everything. Well, how dare you tell me I'm an enemy of everything that's right. Do you know anything about me at all? Don't you know that I eat organic foods? Do you have any idea how good our family is? He says, no, you're full. Oh, my gosh. He goes on to say, you're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Isn't that the way it works nowadays? Let's trick the people. Just get up and lie, Hillary. I couldn't even stomach it. I couldn't even listen to Michelle Obama or Obama or Hillary. All due respect to the president, you're a liar. You've lied and lied and lied. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. You are sitting in the room today. This is what Paul would do. He'd say, you young college-age men that think you're men, you're not men. You are walking through life afraid to even live. You're just not telling anybody. You're full of all kinds of trickery and deceit. And you think that you can get by with living on the crooked path. With God and not with God. At church and then not at church. Go to church and not listen to anything that's being told. And Paul says, you will never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord. Will you never? Perverting the right ways of the Lord. We use all these excuses. Well, I think I'm saved. I, I think I'm saved. I try to live a decent life. And he says, no, you're full of all kinds of trickery. You're a liar. Now the hand of the Lord is against you. Could I say this? This is what the church should do. It's simple. If Sabrina wants to be healed, you come back to God. Is that correct, honey? Instead of coming to us every week, you people, and saying, well, we're struggling again with family issues, and we're struggling with eating issues, and we're struggling with video issues, and we're struggling with porn addiction, we're struggling with sex outside of marriage. I have never in my life heard anyone that had as many issues as this poor girl, and we love her. And she's crying, but we cannot help her outside of Jesus. 
There's no possibility. We could be the best counselors in the world. We cannot help you outside of Jesus. There's only one way. Get your butt out of bed this morning and get to church where the power of God is reigning in the room. And he'll rain down on you. I appreciated what my, my secretary, Karen, for nine years, we were with them last night celebrating some birthdays. And she said, I usually, I almost always feel pain in my body except on Sundays when I come to church. I never feel pain. Listen to me, people. God doesn't want you to live in pain. Get off the crooked path. Get back on the straight and narrow. Just, I, can, I can make you a solid promise. The governor was watching this interaction between Saul and this sorceress man, and he was saying, I'm looking at who's happy. I'm looking at who's legit. I'm looking at who's not deceitful. I'm looking at who can go. You don't hear anything about Paul's family or his marriage or his family squabbles. People of God, listen to me. The church has messed up because you won't get those things right with God once and for all and stop bickering about your own life and surrender to God. Women, submit to your husbands. It's simple. Men, lead your wives. It's simple. Kids will fall in line if you'll do what is right. It is a straight, narrow path. All the answers are in the word, are they not? Now the hand of the Lord is against you, and this is what he said to him. Paul was familiar with this blindness thing. He said, you're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. So I went and looked at some commentaries and thought, Paul had the power to blind him right now, even, not even to see the light of the sun. You know what the commentators said? They believe that because Paul experiences, that's what he put on this sorceress man to reveal to the governor the power of God versus the power of a stupid magician. And the man was blind just like Paul was. And some believe that he was blind for a period of time and eventually came to the Lord. And by the way, when people say that the governor did not believe, the scripture says that he watched, he looked at their lives, and he believed. He, that's the gospel. There is a movement away from what Billy Graham taught in all the crusades as I was growing up. You must be born again. You must still be born again. You don't progressively get sanctified. You don't progressively get saved. There is a moment in time when the Holy Spirit enters your life. You are baptized into the body of Christ. Like last week, I baptized 26 people. It just kept coming. It was so powerful, wasn't it? It was so ridiculously powerful, at least 100 fish bit my legs. The fish were just nipping. If you think that when you're, not, when you're doing something for God, if the enemy isn't going to attack, it was like piranha in that lake. I'm not making this up. I bet you I got bitten 100 times, and I thought, I'm not giving in. We're staying in this pond until every person. And by the way, there's something powerful in baptism. There is something supernaturally powerful. I've never felt that way until... Last week, I thought, obedience is the path to living righteous. Whew. Come on, God. Obedience is the path to healing. Obedience is the path to my daughter Danielle being healed, and to her friend Sabrina being healed, to me being healed, to you being healed, to you surrendering your cocky attitude and your disobedient and disrespectful um, attitude toward your parents and wives to your husbands and husbands to your wives. The power of God needs to fall, and we're not even here to enjoy it when it does. Why do you think the scripture says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together? Because God knows you need this. I need this. We need to be together to compare notes and say we can only do it through Christ. A big hearty amen over here? Amen. Only this side. You guys be quiet now for the rest of the service because I'm going another hour. We want to get kicked out. Gosh. See what it says? When the power of God is present, immediately mist and darkness came over him, the sorcerer, which was the one that was always putting this 
garbage on other people. And he groped about not able to cease. And someone needed to be there to lead him by the hand, literally. And the, the governor's watching this. And when the proconsul, the governor, saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. And I looked up at a commentary this week, and it said that Sergius Paulus, the, the governor of the island of Cyprus, it they found evidence on the island that he became a Christian and it spread throughout the entire island during his reign. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and it will spread through Granville and Hudsonville. And people will talk about you and enemy will try to get you and he will try to take, he will try to take nine out of 14 down the wrong path who swore that God had called them into ministry and wrote it in letters in here and took pictures and they went the wrong path. God still loves them. Bring them back to the right path, God. The only satisfaction in life will be when they realize I am not happy outside the will and the ways of God. Bring them back. I love every one of those kids. This week I'm going to make a copy of the letter they sent me. They gave me and I'm going to send it to them. You cannot back out when God has called you. You cannot turn off the path. You cannot go back the other way. The Bible says that when you put your hand to the plow, you better stay straight forward or you're going to be miserable. If you're a true child of God in this room this morning, you know this is true. When you get on the crooked path, slightly veer off from what you know is right, immediately you're not happy. Am I right? Yes. Only this side. Yes. This side. Yes. This side. Yes. Yes. Twice as loud over here. Whew, God. Twice as happy over here. I don't get it. I, I read the most amazing illustration and I need to stop. Actually, I thought there were, I read a funny one, and then I, then I got to share something that is really a blessing before we quit. So hang with me another minute. Um, I've, I've come to the point where I don't even want to use my notes anymore. I think God leads you. Jimmy had um, trouble with his life, like a lot of us do. He had trouble pronouncing the letter R. You have this way back on page 8, you guys, for, for the screen. And because of it, his teacher gave him a sentence to practice at home. This was a sentence. You got it? Page eight? Yes. Robert gave Richard a wrap in the rib for roasting the rabbit so rare. Don't put the other one up yet. Robert gave Richard a wrap in the rib for roasting the rabbit so rare. And as this typical of us, he didn't want to say that phrase. So he came back with this phrase. Bob gave Dick a poke, poke in the side for not cooking the bunny enough. <laughs> See, we don't want to practice repentance. Go back to the original. So Robert gave Richard a wrap in the rib for roasting the rabbit so rare was not what he wanted to say because he did not want to practice as ours. He wanted the easy path. Do you know what I predict as far as the election, uh, the first future elections in our country? We spent a couple hours talking about the millennials in this nation. The millennials have not had to fight for their freedom. They have not had to work because there's jobs available everywhere. Every store has signs in it looking for people. We were, in, we were in Meyer the other night, and they're slow as molasses in January. And I went to the head clerk, and I said, you need to get more clerks. Every time I come in here, it makes me want to go to Costco. And she said, sir, go to Costco then. You need to go talk to corporate because we're all tired and busy. I'm the head cashier here. And blah, blah, blah. She went on. I said, there's no excuse. You need to pay your cashiers more to give them incentive to work and get rid of all the lazy ones. You should go talk to corporate. I said, I will. I already have. I said to Becky, I'll be in the garden department while you wait in line. So I went to the garden department for 10 minutes, and I came back, and she was almost checked out. And I thought, what the heck happened? They went and got more cashiers. You know what we want? We want easy, lazy. So this is how it ends up. You lazy college-age people in here. You pe Listen to me. This is what Paul would say. You guys in this room that God's been working on your heart for a long time, you are lazy, slothful, headed nowhere. You're going to live in a mundane job. You're going to marry a mundane woman. You're going to go to a mundane church. You're going to live your life wishing that you had been 
the five people on this book right here who stayed the course. You got it? You're going to wish you were a Nick Skippers, an Aaron Cryer, a Zach Rasmussen, a Kelsey, Kelsey Doom, a Danny Doom, an Ed, whatever your name is. See, Ed's not going to write a letter and put it in here that I look at 10 years down the road and say, whatever happened to Ed, Ed's going to say the course. And he's going to marry this little girl. He's going to marry this little girl, and they're going to live happily ever afterwards as long as they stay on the path. And I'm not trying to be funny. That's a fact. Instead, instead, Bob gave Dick a poke in the side for not cooking the bunny enough. What? What happened to repentance? If you blow it today, if you blow it today, God is faithful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He did it back there at the cross. Go back and claim what he already did and don't give us this line of disqualification. You're not disqualified, I'm not disqualified, or Adam and Eve, it would have ended there, wouldn't it? Or Cain and Abel would have ended there. Or Jacob and Esau would have ended there. Huh? Or David would have ended there. Or Rahab would have ended there. He put them in the lineage of Christ to realize you can quickly get back on the straight path. That's preaching. Not this lame talking anymore that makes us feel warm and fuzzy and go get in the car and talk against churches that are painted black. I'm putting a cross out there for that woman and for everybody else. Because they need a cross. I need the tomb died to self and rose with newness of life. Came out of the water, dipped in the blood of the lamb. Oh, there is cleansing, isn't there? There's a powerful true story that I wanted to close with. Powerful in my mind, because I'm a person who loves all the old hymns too. It was back in the days when there was horse and buggy. It was a bright Sunday morning in London, England, and Robert Robinson was very unhappy with where his life had gone. All along the street, people were hurrying to church, but in the midst of the crowd, Robinson was standing there, a lonely, lonely man, trying to figure out, why am I so lonely? The sound of church bells reminded him of years past when he was actually living for God, and he was strong and involved in the church and spiritual things. But years had, had passed by, a long time since he had actually stepped foot in the church. It was a time of disillusionment and gradual defection from God and the once great love that he had for God. And when Robinson saw a horse-drawn carriage coming, he flagged it down, but as the carriage came, he realized that there, there was a woman sitting in the carriage, and he thought, no, I don't want to be with anybody else because I can tell she's dressed up and going to church. And she said to the carriage, a man that was, what do you call it? I guess he was a coachman, yeah. He wasn't driving, I don't think. She said, stop. Robinson said, no, I'll take the next one. She said, no, get in. And she said, no, I want you to get in. And she said, good morning, and how are you? And he said, I'm fine, but I'm not going to church. And, and she said, well, um, I think it's an interesting coincidence that, that you got in this carriage. She reached into her purse and took out a small book of inspirational poems because he had told her his name was... Robert Robinson. And she said, I have a little book of poems that was written by a man by the name of Robert Robinson. And she read a poem, and she said, I just read a, a poem. Could it be that you wrote that? And he took the little book from her and said, yes, I wrote those words, but it was many years ago. And the lady said, how wonderful. I am, at Madge, I am sharing a carriage with the author of the poems that are in this book that I love. And Robinson could barely look at her. He was just absorbed in the words of the poem she read. And it went like this. Come thou fount of every blessing. 
tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. And by then he was pretty emotionally stirred. And she kept on, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That's one of my favorite hymns of all time. And it wasn't a coincidence that when I was preparing for today, I looked in my closet where I keep my jeans and I saw this book. I thought of those words. Prone to wander. I've always been prone to wander. Too many people are prone to wander. There's no, there's nobody out there in the carriage waiting for them. And they're thinking back over their life, and they're thinking back to, that the good times in their life were the times that they were pure in heart, that the good times in their life were the times that they were on the straight path. The good times in their life were when the word of God was so powerful. It was changing them. And he heard those words, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for the courts above. And she looked over at Mr. Robertson, and he was crying. Tears were streaming down his face. And all I could think about personally when I read this illustration is that's me. It's totally been the story of my life. When I finally, at 21 years old, tried to attempt suicide and was unsuccessful, and I went back, my buddy was waiting there with his arms wide open. I didn't want to go to church. I felt church is an unloving, uncaring place. I'm too much of a sinner, and God said, I don't care. I think of my brother who went to college, and I've shared that many times, and he was going to be a preacher, and he fell into sin and had sex with his girlfriend on Christmas break, and it changed his destiny, and it changed this girl's destiny. I told my wife last night, I see his daughter online, and she uses the F-bomb, and she uses cuss words all the time, and I think, you changed the destiny of your children. It's not just my destiny that's at stake, it's their destiny. It's not just their destiny at stake, it's Sabrina's destiny. I have a wife who's actually willing to go sit on the garage floor and pray with her to bring her back into the kingdom. People are searching for this. We're not preaching the grace of God. We're preaching legalism. We're not going to the Gentiles. We're not going to the Daves whose tooth is knocked out and he just wants to be loved and he doesn't understand that God would have a powerful destiny for him. I won't give up. We will not give up. We will preach the grace of God till the day this church is done and we all go to glory. It is God's grace who's given this small body, that building, there's no doubt. God's in the miracle working business. The governor came to know Jesus. We can change our state. We can change our nation. We can change the world. We're not giving up. In the name of Jesus right now, I pray that we would change our city. You would change us today. Help us to live pure this week. In Jesus' name, amen.